The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. I got to say, and I, and I mean this serious, not because anything he said about me, but um, there are few people that I admire in this world as much as Matt. And I, you may not know him, but I'm sure he's got an open door policy. And if you're struggling or you're, you need to be affirmed or direction, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to pack your schedule, Matt, that you don't have any free time because he, I, I, I come to him uh, in such times. And I, I think the, the college here, the university is blessed to have you on board. Anyhow, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts, but mounds don't because sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. So let me ask you, how many of you have heard that commercial before? All right, that's all, I'm looking. I'm here. All right, Bill, I got you back here. We got a couple in here. 40 years ago, when I was a student here, the, every hand would have gone up. Like, we could all see the commercial, everything about it. It was, you know, for the Almond Joy Bar and the Mounds Bar. I remember the commercial. You know, the only thing I liked about the commercial was the, the chocolate drizzle on top. Both of them have coconut, and I hate coconut. But what stood out to me is when I first heard the commercial, I was a kid. I was a Catholic school kid at the time that, you know, I mean, was kind of like, oh, is this a Catholic company? Because in the commercial, they would say, Peter, Paul, Almond Joy. Peter, Paul, Mounds Bar, right? And I, I remember thinking, like, maybe they, made, maybe they started the company on St. Peter and St. Paul. And I had a friend in my class who was like, no, no, no. I know how the company began. And back then, we had, the, of course, we had the Beatles. Everybody knows the Beatles. Not sure how many of you still have Monkeys albums, but we had the group called the Monkeys, too. And he was like, no, it was Paul from the Beatles and Peter from the Monkeys, and they started the company. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. And I spread that fake news in Maple Shade for several years to follow, right? Until I, I, I was studying, for some reason, the history of the company for a sermon or something, found out the company began in 1919, and it was started by a guy named Peter Paul. So it was Peter Paul Almond Joy, Peter Paul Mounds Bar, right? And uh, one of the things that they did that was in their company history was during the Great Depression, if you know your history, it was in their first decade or so of business, they made the decision to increase the size of their candy bars, but charge the same amount. That's not happening today, is it? Everything's getting smaller, right? I was reading the other day about Reese's Cups, which I love and enjoy. That standard two-pack of Reese's Cups, when, when we were kids, Matt, that was those, those Reese's Cups were about a tenth of an ounce. You know, now they're, uh, then they moved them to like 0.8, you know, uh, tenths of an ounce or whatever. And then it was, I think now there's seven tenths of, you know, 0.7 tenths of an ounce, whatever it is. And they're getting smaller is my point. Imagine if the opposite were true. Imagine if you would that, it, it, I assume I'm allowed to walk around here. I don't know if you're saying. Imagine if you would that, that you went shopping at the supermarket and you got your shopping cart and as you were putting items in the shopping cart, they're getting bigger. So you're walking around a store. By the time you get to the counter, that pound of ground beef you put in your shopping cart that costs the same is now a pound and a quarter. 
Those Reese's cups that you put in your shopping cart, the wrapping paper is coming off of them because it can't contain that they're growing in size, right? That perhaps silly picture to me is a wonderful picture of what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be. That as God is adding items to his cart, those items are supposed to be growing. They're supposed to be getting bigger. They're supposed to be getting deeper and broader. As lives come to Christ, the other lives that have already been in the cart, in the church, in the body, are, are growing as well. And so I want us to see a passage in Acts chapter 9 today. And when we do this passage, it, it is the beginning of the Peter-Paul company, by the way, in Scripture. It's when Peter, the Apostle Peter, and Paul meet one another as followers of Jesus. But my focus is on Paul through this. Acts chapter 9, Paul has just gotten saved, right? He was going to Saul, Paul, you can say either one. Those were both his names. One of them wasn't his unsaved name and the other one his saved name. He could, oh, there were two names that, that were both his, Paul, Saul. And uh, he gets saved. He's been trying to kill the Christians. He gets saved and he meets Ananias who God gives a vision to and, and his blindness leaves and he preaches the gospel a bit. And then we read in verse 22, but Saul, Acts 9, kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death there. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. I really want us to see three, three views of, of Paul. One is Paul alone, one is Paul surrounded, and the other one is Paul unseen. How do we see Paul unseen? We'll, we'll get to that, right? But, but the first thing is Paul alone. Because when you read Acts chapter 9, I don't know if any of you are in a course right now, the book of Acts or whatever, but in Acts chapter 9, when you're reading about Paul's conversion, it's great if you have a piece of paper, like I do, in Galatians chapter 1, because they fit together. So Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, fills in some details of what's happening in Acts chapter 9 that Luke, just inspired by the Holy Spirit, decided not to tell us, right? But one of the things that the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 is when he first got saved, he didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles to see them, right? But I went away to Arabia. And he says in verse 18 of Galatians 1, then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem. Most commentators... Hopefully the Bible professor here, if he disagrees with me, that's okay. Because it's, you know, I, I, it's, it's putting timelines together, right? But most would agree that, that three, those years of delay occurred back in Acts chapter 9 between verses 22 
and 23, right? In other words, what happens? Saul, who has been persecuting Christians, trying to kill them, everybody knows about him. He comes to faith in Christ, and yes, he starts to share the gospel, but what we would kind of see today is everybody, they'd be lining him up for like traveling around the country. This guy was killing believers and now he's saved. He had a vision and let's, but God doesn't. What does God do? God puts Paul alone in seclusion. What I mean is what we see in between those verses, Luke doesn't tell us, but there's a three year period when Paul goes out into the wilderness in Arabia. And a lot of it's spent alone. We were the first freshman class to be here on campus. Now, does that mean anything? It's just historically what, what it was. Well, you know, uh, campus moved from Philadelphia to here, you know, uh, the, the summer of, after we graduated high school, I say we, Matt and I, whoever was in, in my class, and uh, we were the first freshman class here on this campus. And I remember my freshman year, you know, in the dorms, of course, the dorms now, how, anybody, does anybody still here that lived? Lived in the dorms over in Pendell, or is that many? That's several years ago. Okay, anyhow, we had an apartment complex over there. There were no dorms on campus here. And I can remember gathering in one of the dorms there, hearing this brand new speaker on the radio. Nobody, we had never heard of Pastor Chuck Swindoll, right? And Chuck Swindoll has impacted my life in a powerful way through the years. And he says regarding this, for three years, Saul lived in the desert, cut off from his former manner of life. Why? I believe because it's one of those glimpses that we need to see three different things that really help us grow in God's cart, and that is being alone with Jesus. Alone time with Jesus. When you look at when Jesus called his disciples in Mark chapter 3, uh, we read in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, and he, summoned, he went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he won, himself wanted. They came to him, and he appointed 12. Why? That they might be with him. Might be with him. When you placed your faith in Christ, if you have, if you haven't, dear friend, I'm telling you, he is a faithful friend. He is, nothing in life makes sense to me anymore apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? When you look at the world around us. But if you've placed your faith in Christ, when you did, did you receive from God a ticket or did you receive a hand? Because there are people that I know, certainly in our church, who it seems they got a ticket. And they got that ticket, they put it in their pocket, and now they're good. And they're not really living very much, you know, with God in mind. And every so often, they're facing a crisis, a family member's sick. Lord, I need you to get me out of this. Thank you, I'll see you later. And, and the idea almost that the, they're safe because they're going to come to the end of their lives. They got the ticket, they die, they hand in the ticket, they get to go to heaven, right? Because they prayed the prayer. But that's not what being a disciple of Christ is. It's receiving the hand of the Lord Jesus. And he says, follow me, Vince. Let's start our walk together. Let's walk together. Let's journey together. Chuck Swindoll continues and he says, Paul moved to Arabia, a place that was remote and removed. We need such times as well. We don't need to literally go to Arabia, but we do need to go to our own personal Arabia. We need to find ways to slow down. We need to sit with Jesus. You are not gonna grow, right? 
I'm thrilled with with what God has done and is doing here. But you're not going to grow as a disciple of Christ by just sitting in a Bible class, right? You need to be alone with Jesus, to sit with him face to face, that personal time. Psalm 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, where is your Arabia? It can be anywhere. You know, before I, I, I graduated from here in 83, as, as Matt said, I worked a few years in admissions. Uh, then I worked in, in sales, construction industry, print on plastics for a while. I didn't become a pastor until 1990. But um, w- one of those jobs was, I don't know if you know the area, you know, down uh, 95, if you took Street Road over to State Road, kind of south of Neshaminy Park, you, you know, State Park, down in there, as you're going along, there's a dead end street. It's, a, it's an industrial complex. I worked for a company in there on Kamer Drive, right? It was a dead end, and I loved it because we got an hour lunch, and I would take my Bible, and man, at lunchtime, I would head to the, to the dead end, and oh, we had a beautiful park there. No, it was filthy. It was like six dumpsters, and it was a dead end, you know, got backed up to like a lousy part, really, of the Delaware River, you know, and so people, you could see people all the time, probably at nighttime, they came and dumped their sofas there, they dumped mattresses there. It was just, it was a filthy spot. But I would walk past all that smell, all the, the tractor trailers, and if you got past it all, at the edge, there was these giant rock retaining wall, and I would climb down those rocks, and for me, yeah, I may have just been a couple feet from dumpsters and filth, I was sitting at the Jordan River, and every day I would just sit down there with my Bible, right? Step away from that, you know, that sales job and just sit there and listen to, what, Jesus? Oh, Jesus would say to me, hey, Vincent, blessed are the gentle, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled, right? That, that sense of, hey, Vince, do you realize you are God's Precious pearl. Do you realize if you were the only coin that was lost, my father would search for you? Just to sit with Jesus. And I want to ask you, are you, do you, do you have that time in your life? Because it can get so squeezed out so easily. But for you to sit with Jesus, because it's all about him. It's all about him. Jesus, he wants that with you. To sit alone with Jesus. Listen, I know the pond probably doesn't remind any of you of the Sea of Galilee out there, right? I, I, I recognize that. But there have been times in the years since I graduated that I found my own little Capernaum around the pond there and kind of came up here for a day and found a little patch and it was just me and Jesus by the Sea of Galilee, right? You may say, you got a wild imagination. And yet I do. But, but I mean, but to just be with Jesus. Alone with God, we see Paul alone, but we also see Paul, what? Surrounded. And where do we see that? We see it in verse 26. When he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. And so what happens is he gets saved, but he doesn't meet Peter for three years. He doesn't meet any of the apostles for three years. In Damascus, God gave a vision to Ananias. I want you to go talk to Saul. What are you kidding me? He's come to kill us. Yes, I want you to go talk to Saul. He's one of mine now. But in Jerusalem, that hasn't happened. Jerusalem, Paul was there. 
He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. They all knew him. He was famous. When they were killing Stephen as a Christian, they were handing their coats to Paul, and he was saying, keep going. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing what I want you to do. He headed off to Damascus, right, because he's going to go arrest those Christians. They're all going, yeah, Paul, you know, you, we can't wait till you come on back with that, all them. And he doesn't come back for three years, but now he comes back as a believer. His life's been changed. So when he comes back, the people that were all his friends, they, 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 don't, they don't want to welcome him back. But neither does the church because there's a problem. Nobody in Jerusalem has gotten the vision that Ananias got. But Barnabas does what? Barnabas says, we got to surround him with the body of Christ. We've got to surround him. And he does that, right? We read that beautiful words, Barnabas took hold of him. It's physical. He literally physically affirms him by wrapping his arms around him, took hold of him, brought him to the apostles, tells them all that's happened in his life. In verse 28, he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem. Again, if you were comparing it to Galatians chapter 1, it's there in verse 18 that Paul says, that's when I met Cephas or Peter. That's when Peter and Paul came together for the first time, right? But the tremendous value of the body of Christ that sense of we're in this together. When I, my senior year, um, there was a freshman gal that had caught my attention. She's now my wife and I'm grateful for that. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, her friend said to me, she doesn't want to go steady with anyone. She's a freshman, leave her alone. She doesn't want to go steady. And I was kind of like, all right, well, she tells me that, you know, but, but I'm just not going to go on your word, right? But that, you know, and so we dated a couple times and we were literally right, right down that, if you walk around that part, the little steps to take you down, you know, that side of the pond, that was our soccer field over there, the slanted front field, right? But we were over there talking and, and uh, I remember saying to her, hey, I know your friends have said that you don't want to go steady, and I respect that. I don't want to put any pressure on you whatsoever. I really like you. I, I, I would like us to be a couple, but she was kind of like, okay, I would like that too. And, and, and I remember we walked into our cafeteria, I think is now your commuter lounge, but that was our cafeteria. And I can remember walking in there holding her hand. Not sure if she was ready, not sure if she was ready for me to do that, but I was holding her hand, right? And, and, you know, you get, I don't know if it's the same here anymore, but you walk in and you get people looking. Oh, boy, what do we got going on here? Look at, <laughs> look at this couple. What do you think? How long do you think you're going to make it? I don't think that you think they're going to make it. You think, what do you think? And we lasted as a couple until Valentine's Day. She broke up with me here on campus on Valentine's Day. I know. She's not watching today. She's a, a preschool teacher. But it was good that she did. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a senior dating a freshman, I'm not saying you got to break up. Don't put me in the middle of, of that there. But for us, I was putting too much pressure on her. She's a freshman. You know what I mean? And she had this, I, I, I need to at least date other guys. And she broke out with me and it was good. She dated other guys. And for the next year, you know, she would let me take her out. But we were not holding hands anymore, right? We weren't a couple, right? And, uh, but she was dating other individuals. That's all right. She had the right to. She's a wonderful woman, right? And, um, and, and, and my point is, I took a job in admissions so that I could be around her. I don't mind telling you that. You say, what determined God's call on your life? Her, right? I don't know, but, I, but no, I don't mean that. What I mean is, I knew, I knew, is this being recorded? Anyhow, I, 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 <laughs> 
I knew that it would be good for it, like that I, I, I wanted to be a pastor. I'd be speaking at Christian schools, traveling, a great experience. My dad said to me, are you taking the job because you want to see? I said, part, yeah, yeah, that's part of the reason. What's more important than if, if my life could end up with, with her together? And it was about a year later that we were sitting right about where you guys are sitting, second or third row right there, and there was a concert on stage. You're, you're moving away. <laughs> I'm not throwing any pixie dust your way. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're okay. But, but we were sitting, and she reached and took my hand. You know, and, and we've been married for 37 years. My, my point is that I remember when I held her hand and what it meant. But I also remember what it meant when she took my hand. When she took my hand. And I want to tell you, I share that Every relationship in the church isn't going to be like that, and it shouldn't, right? But, but my point is, I have, what a great picture of, of what the body of Christ is about, why we're supposed to be surrounded by other believers, because there are people in local churches who need you to take hold of them, and you need people in local churches to take hold of you. We do. It's just God's design for us in the cart. The church matters, right? This is wonderful Christian fellowship here. But the church matters. That sense of sharing your lives. I, I picture what they were sharing, Peter and Paul, and what they went through and the, the struggles that they experienced. And you can picture Paul saying, man, they were trying to kill me. And Peter said, yeah, you were trying to kill us. You know, we understand. I saw the resurrected Jesus, so did I. And just that sense of, wow, what camaraderie. You know, I, 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 there are times where we, as a church, we'll be together singing. And um, one of my favorite songs that we sing in our church, you know, uh, we sing that uh, you are not alone if you feel lonely. When you are afraid, you're not the only, right? We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and free. It's all you got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. I don't know if you know it, but we would sing, and all the people said amen. Whoa, 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 right? We went, oh, and when we're singing it, I'm looking and I'm thinking, that couple over there, they just lost their 28-year-old son. He left behind a two-year-old daughter. This guy over here, I know a year ago, he had a gun to his head, tried to kill himself. It didn't work. And eventually, in the days that followed, he came to Christ. And we're singing that song. All the people said, amen. And I'm feeling, that's what I need. You know, we live in a world with so many voices and noises. We need to be surrounded. And God surrounds Paul. Listen, if you're going to grow in the cart, I am convinced you need time alone with Jesus. And you need time surrounded by the body of Christ. And they need you too. I'm telling you as a pastor what it means to my heart to see your, your age group involved in our church and involved in so many ways. Man, it just... It just it lights me up. It is encouraging. It's what the writer to the Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. You, you, why? Because when you come together, you encourage each other. See Paul alone. We see Paul surrounded. But we also see Paul unseen. And, and how, how do you see that? Well, it, it, back there in, in, in Acts chapter 9, in verse 29, he's preaching and they want to kill him again. And what do we read in verse 30? When the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. 
Now, how many of you know your early church history? Yeah, you know, uh, but you know, we, we, next time we see Paul, is, it's only two chapters later. Chapter 11, we read in verse 25 that Barnabas is there. The people are getting saved, the Gentile city, Antioch, and he goes and gets Paul. He goes and gets Saul. He goes, we, we, we read there in, in, in uh, chapter 11, verse 25, he left to, for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that for an entire year, they met with the church and church is growing. My point is this, F.F. F. Bruce, who knows, a, he's a much more of a biblical scholar than I am. He shares that the, the amount of time between the last time we see them saying, hey, Paul, head off to Tarsus. And when Barnabas brings him to Antioch is about 10 years, 10 years. So in other words, was God working with Paul there? Yes, he was. But according to the Holy Spirit's leading for Luke, who was Paul's kind of disciple, right? You know, Luke goes on and talks about what God's doing in the church. And he doesn't mention Paul for 10 years. As a matter of fact, he even writes there in chapter, uh, Acts 9 and verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord. Right? And, you know, we don't ever read Paul saying later, why'd you got to put that in there? That, like the church was growing and I wasn't a part of it at all, right? You know, no, we, we don't, there's no sense of jealousy. None at all. He's unseen and all it would appear to us is God's still working in his life and Paul has that third aspect, being alone with Jesus, being surrounded by other believers, but also what? Daily surrendered, God, whatever your plan is for me. If I'm seen, if I'm not seen, whatever you want for me. Now, I was a kid growing up who... Probably not a surprise, right? But, but what love, you know, love, you know, be, attention, you know, being on the, you know, getting people to laugh and getting detentions because of it in class, you know what I mean? You know, and, and, and just, and I can remember, I have a memory of being somewhere with a whole bunch of people and I'm like, ah, doing goofy stuff in there. And my dad's saying, Vincent, come here, sit down on the floor next to me. What, dad, what did I do? Just, just sit down on the floor next to me. What did I do, dad? What did I do? Vincent, just, just be quiet and sit down next to me. And if Dad, I don't get it. What did I do wrong? Him saying, Vincent, you need to let somebody else get the center stage right now. You need to be, and I can remember him saying this, you need to be unseen. But I didn't do anything wrong. I had them in the palm of my hand and I was working the crowd. No, but, but like he just, you need to be unseen. I'm glad he did because it, it, it was very important for me to learn the beauty of exalting others and, and, and what? Eventually as a believer being able to say, Lord, if your plan for me is not many people ever remember me, that's all right. Lord, whatever you want, seen or unseen, whatever your plan for me is. We played soccer together as, as Matt said. I don't know if Tom Allen is in here, but Tom Allen was our goalie. Our backup goalie was Dave Lebo. You remember Dave. Dave, uh, you never saw him on the field during the game. But I can still see Dave Lebo after practice on our slanted field. We're all done and we're all tightening the tape off and headed to dinner or whatever. And Dave just sprinting up and down the field in case we ever needed him to be seen in a game. 
And that stood out to me. I carried that with me. When I coached soccer and I coached basketball, I, I, I used him. I, I would say, I have no idea where Dave is now in life. I haven't seen Dave for 30 years. He's not on the, the Sports Hall of Fame. Great lives up there. I'm not minimizing that. Some of the people I know, wonderful, wonderful people. But, but you won't see Dave up there. And I, was, I, I would tell my teams, I don't know where he is today. I don't know what he's doing. And then a couple of years, I, I, got, I got word that Dave died suddenly, and I went to his funeral. And when his wife said to me how he died all alone in a Sunday school room teaching little kids, just a couple little kids, nobody's seeing him except God. I, I, I admire that. That Dave Lebo said, Lord, whatever you got for me. I don't know what he thought, where he thought God was taking him. I don't know where you see God taking you in your years after you're done here. But I know this. There's one thing for sure. He wants you to keep growing. He wants you to keep growing in his cart. Spend time alone with Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. Spend time with the body of Christ. The church needs you and you need them. Wake up each day, Lord, whatever you have. Whether your plan for me is to be seen by many or seen by few, grow me in your cart, Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you that you're the same God that you were 40 years ago when I was a senior here. Thank you that you've been such a faithful God when I was a student, when I was an admissions counselor, when I was selling doors and hinges, when I was selling print-on plastics, through the years of pastoral ministry, it's all you, Lord. It's all you. And I just ask that you would, by your grace, let us hear your voice calling us, come away. Come be with me, one-on-one. -on -one. Hear us calling you to the church hearing you calling us to the church and hearing you call us to surrender our plan to yours. May Jesus Christ be praised in his name. Amen. Thank you.